0: Will our old friend Dante Moore's reportedly taking a visit to Oregon. I don't think he's going to come to the Ducks, but I still think it means something. Here we go. You are locked on Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks, if you have not already like comment subscribe rate review please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show which today is brought to you by prize picks go to pricepicks.com locked on college use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to 100 daily fantasy sports made easy so dante moore has visited oregon's campus multiple times before he's reportedly going to do so again I don't know that he's the perfect fit at Oregon, depending on what happens with one Ty Thompson. And I think just the fact that Oregon is hosting Dante Moore is indicative that Ty Thompson might never start a game for Oregon. And I think that that sucks for a kid who has been supremely loyal to Oregon, has stuck it out through a coaching change, has been a backup quarterback for three years in a row, has clearly put in the time to work hard and gotten better as a quarterback. If you are bringing in someone in Dante Moore, who has apparently not you know got his uh uh, his sights set on somewhere where he can start in 2024 is open to the developmental side of things if you were bringing that guy on campus for a visit in addition to have already hosted Dylan Gabriel who we're all expecting to be Oregon's quarterback in 2024 should he end up choosing the Ducks maybe it's a backup option to that Maybe something went off with the Gabriel visit and they they're deciding to back off of that. And so they want to have other options available to them. Maybe. But the most likely outcome at this point in time looks like Dylan Gabriel comes to the Ducks. Dante Moore does not. But I think that that mindset makes me think that they don't believe Ty Thompson can be a starter in 2024. Now, based on what we have seen, it looks like he can. The coaching staff sees a lot more. And I will trust their judgment one way or the other. They have certainly earned that. Remember, Bo Nix came to Oregon and there were mixed reactions amongst Oregon fans, to say the least. My boss, Zach Blackerby at Locked On Auburn, said that Bo Nix was the most polarizing player he's ever covered in his time covering the Auburn Tigers, which has been, I think, over a decade at this point. And he had that sort of split amongst Oregon fans. And so. You don't always know how something's going to work out one way or the other. A player could come in and you could have really high expectations. Everyone could. It could look like it'll work out and it doesn't. And sometimes you look at a situation or a player and say, that guy's going to have everything he needs to succeed. It's, it's going to go. Or, or rather, the opposite would be, I don't think that guy's any good. He's not going to work out to two years later, one of the most beloved and productive and successful quarterbacks in Oregon history. That's the way things can go sometimes. That was a little shrug like the uh, uh, the, the the usher in the last dance. Hey, you know, anyway, so I think that that's what it shows, that they've already brought two quarterbacks on campus, one of whom would be a developmental uh, quarterback at the very least. I, I think that that tells me that the, the staff is just not in on, on Ty Thompson. And I think that stinks for the kid, but we don't yet know how this is all going to play out. To say that I'm curious, uh, that would uh, that would be an understatement. But still, more to get to. It's quarterbacks. Drop your thoughts in the YouTube comments below, which are back to operating normally, so it should be easy to see all your comments there. Great way to get in the mailbag. You can do Twitter as well at Smalls underscore fifty five or at Locked On Ducks. You can be a Locked On Ducks insider over at Subtext. 14 day trial that's free. Then it's just five dollars a month, and you get all sorts of perks over there. But this question came in from Jeff. We got a bunch of mailbag questions to get to today and later in the show as well. Jordan Seaton goes to Colorado. That one came a little bit out of nowhere, but I have some thoughts. This question came in from Jeff. How does Dylan Gabriel compare to Bo Nix prior to coming to Oregon stat wise? Well, when you look at their numbers this year, Bo Nix completed 77% of his passes Threw for 318 yards a game, 40 touchdowns, three interceptions. Those are just, oh gosh, those are good numbers. 264 rushing yards on the season and six touchdowns. Dylan Gabriel, last season, 69% completion, 305 yards a game, 30 touchdowns, six interceptions. He also ran for almost 500 yards and 12 TDs, 479 to be exact. That particular season was more successful and productive than any season Bo Nix had while at Auburn. The highest completion percentage in three years starting at Auburn that Bo Nix had down there was about 61%. 62, it might've been in the 62, 63 range. It was in the low sixties. So Gabriel was pushing 70% this year. That's an excellent number. And he also ran a pretty good amount. He doubled Bo Nix in rushing touchdowns this year who didn't run as much in will stein's offense and if will stein is still the offensive coordinator next year it's pretty obvious that no matter who he has in his system it's a quarterback friendly offense he's a really good oc go look at the numbers that frank harris put up at utsa last year look at bo nicks this year he was even better than last year with kenny dillingham so i think that gabriel has got a lot of production i think he's got some talent I still like Cam Ward a little bit more, but I, I think Gabriel can certainly, I mean, obviously he's capable of leading a team to a 10 plus win season. He just did it at Oklahoma. They went 10 and two. And I think Oregon is a better team than Oklahoma. And I think Oregon has got a better coach than Oklahoma does though. Venables, you know, is having a good year. I like Dan Lanning better. And I think Lanning has got a number of traits that that lead me to think that way. I could just be biased. Who knows? But I think that Will Stein, who was a finalist, he did not win the Broyles Award, would be a great help for any quarterback that comes into you know the system that he operates. And boy, he looked really, really good in, in year one. So, you know, if he's able to elevate Gabriel the way he elevated Bo Nix and the way that Dillingham elevated Bo Nix, yeah, Gabriel could put up some absolutely gaudy numbers next year if he ends up choosing the Ducks. But I think that, you know, this year for – Oklahoma, they ran their quarterback more than Oregon did. I don't think that Will Stein would run Dylan Gabriel as much as Oklahoma did this season. I I, I just don't think it's what he does philosophically. He wants to keep his quarterback upright. Oh, by the way, he did that this year. Bo Nix was only sacked a handful of times. Oregon, once again, was either leading or among the leaders in uh, fewest sacks allowed in the country this year, offensive line finalists for the Joe Moore award. They were outstanding. That is a function of having a good offensive line. I still think last year's was a little bit better. It is also a function of having a mobile quarterback for sure, but a good offensive coordinator, one in which he and the quarterback understand where the ball needs to go, how to get it on time on target, and safely delivered in a way that doesn't demand the offensive line, just be some ridiculous unit all the time. But all of those factors came together to generate the low sacks number that that Oregon allowed this year. So I think that Gabriel has you know, certainly got plenty of potential, and we'll see if and, and when his commitment happens. Last I have heard, it's still looking like it'll be Oregon, but it has not happened yet. And I don't know what the timeline is. We'll just kind of have to wait and see. Yesterday, we got a commitment from Jordan Seaton. Well, I shouldn't say we, but we heard the commitment from Jordan Seaton. He chose Colorado. Am I panicking about that? Not particularly, no. You won't panic if you go over to prize picks because you'll find everything you need to have a good time. That is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in all of North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and then you'll watch the winnings roll in. I want to play along? Some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill each week. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy, so your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. You ever get frustrated with that playing fantasy football? Yeah, it's frustrating, no doubt about it. No issue with Prize Picks though. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepickscom slash college, Use code college for a first deposit match up to $100. prizepickscom slash LockedOnCollege. Use code college for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix Daily Fantasy Sports made easy. Second segment, Sips, make my life easy. So, Jordan Seton, five star offensive tackle in the class of 2024. Oregon was after him, certainly would have bolstered Oregon's recruiting ranking and would have been one of the higher rated recruits in the class. He chose, as a bit of a surprise, Colorado. Now, there are a couple factors here that don't make me worry. Number one, the transfer portal is still a thing. Number two, if you tuned into yesterday's show and you're an everydayer out there, first of all, thank you for doing that. Second of all, you noticed that when I talked about the top needs for Oregon and the transfer portal, offensive line wasn't on my list. Even though Oregon is going to lose at least one, probably two, maybe even three key players along the offensive line, I think the depth and talent they have there is really, really solid. I, I think the biggest name to watch, Well, actually, who'd be a bigger name to watch, JPJ or Johnny Cornelius? Probably JPJ, uh, because I I think that guy's going to be an All-American. At least he should be. Gosh, he played at a high level this year. But he and Cornelius both were really good. Steven Jones is out of eligibility. He was fantastic. Guess what? He was also splitting time regularly this year with a true freshman. Poncho is great, and I feel really good about his prospects going forward. So, Seton would have been a nice addition, no doubt. I don't know. You can speculate from now until the end of time if the reason he chose Colorado is that he'll be a plug-and-play guy over there and he wouldn't be at Oregon. That is a reasonable theory. No one is ever going to be able to confirm or deny whether or not that's the reason he chose the bus. There is no doubt in my mind that he'll go to Colorado and start next year because their offensive line, as we saw, is putrid. I mean, Shador Sanders was sacked a laughable number of times this year or the old Mike Tomlin expression. It's not funny, but it's laughable. I I mean, he took a snap in the way it looked. If you think back to the Oregon Colorado game, when he was constantly under pressure, that was every single week. I, I mean, that guy was just getting hit so often this year. It's no surprise. He sat out their final game of the season. He's just been beat up. So that's a big get for Deion Sanders because they need those sorts of guys in the trenches, and I imagine that he'll start there next year. I don't know that that directly means that a Johnny Cornelius is going to come back instead of uh, going to the NFL. What I do know is that Josh Connerly has to be back because he's a true sophomore. What I know that Marcus Harper probably is going to come back. I'm pretty sure he has another year of uh, eligibility. Let me double check that real quick because we don't want to be inaccurate, which I was recently. Yeah, Harper's got one more year. We don't know about JPJ, but Poncho will either be a starting right guard or the starting center next year, I would imagine. And then you look at the guys on the depth chart and you go, well, wait a minute. Feo pei Poncho's older brother, he was a regular player this year. Much like Josh Connerly, he was a part of that jumbo package and he was the extra tackle. So he's got experience. He could be a right tackle. Well, Davey Uli, in the reserve action that he's seen, I think he's looked real good. And he could be ready to play next year and start at guard. I think Oregon's depth, and by the way, George Silva was the number one rated offensive tackle coming from the JUCO ranks. And he was not a starter this year for the Ducks. He was a backup. So that could be a guy, if he's still on the roster next year, that fills Cornelius' spot. So yeah, it would have been nice to get Jordan Seaton, but I don't think that that's a big recruiting miss for the Ducks. And I don't think personnel-wise they're being set back. You know, they've got Jaquan McCroy, who's one of their higher rated commits in 2024. The big 6'8", 300-something pound I mean, just a mammoth of a human being uh, who's, you know, a part of the class. I think Oregon's offensive line recruiting has been good. Getting Seton, yep, you always want to get those sorts of high-level guys, but I don't feel like there's a big gap now in uh, the recruiting cycle or on the roster going forward because he didn't commit. So, Speaking of a gap, I had a gap yesterday on on the show that I got. I think three comments and two or three direct messages about as well because it was definitely a whiff. And I appreciate that you guys are paying attention. You care enough that you want me to get it right because I always want to get it right. Try to get it right. And yesterday, I made a little bit of an oversight, which is you know been known to happen from time to time. Nobody's perfect, especially not me. But. Yesterday, I was saying that defensive back was the biggest need for Oregon in the transfer portal. Why? Because it is. Just the number of bodies that Oregon's going to lose after this year, TriQuest Bridges and Steve Stevens and Evan Williams, and we'll see what Tysheem Johnson does, and Kyrie Jackson's probably going to the NFL. You just keep going down the list. When I was did not prepare for, but just kind of thought, you know, uh, if I thought who would be Oregon's starting secondary, if they took the field right now with 2024's roster, I said the starting corners would be Dante Manning on one side and Nico Reed on the other. This was an oversight. And because he has been injured for the last couple of weeks would have liked to have had him against Washington. I forgot about Jalil Florence, which is strange because I have been ever since he was first recruited to the Ducks, a member of the Jaleo Florence fan club. I said after his freshman season, which was 2022, that he had the potential to become a true shutdown, all conference caliber corner. If he comes back to Oregon next year, I bet you he will be. He is a true sophomore right now, unfortunately injured. He won't play in the bowl game against Liberty, but he'll be back for next year in all likelihood. And I think right now, that's Oregon's number one corner for 2023 or 2024. And guess what? I think it's a pretty good number <clears throat> number one corner. So I think he and Dante Manning would be your starting corners if you took 2024's roster and lined them up today. So that was definitely uh, just slip of the mind, I think, because he has been on the field the last couple of weeks. And I was thinking through, you know, who played well or who played uh, against Washington as they were going through that that game, battle and injuries and whatnot. But yeah, Julee Florence definitely true sophomore back next year. Uh, I I certainly hope. I would hate to lose him to the portal. I don't think that he's going to. I think that he's someone who who can really pop and be an all conference guy next year. So that was a whiff. Okay, this is this is a a banger of a question here because I just love the energy that it comes with. This came from the rarely plugged but sometimes seen. Instagram direct messages. I'm at smalls underscore five over there, which fun fact is what I wanted my Twitter handle to be when I made my account, but it was taken. So I went 55. So this question from Matt Spencer, I respect the heck out of your expert opinion. I don't know if I qualify as an expert, but I like that you respect my opinion. I respect the heck out of your expert opinion, but golly, I hate your (laughs) opinion. Oh man. The I have to start that over. We're going to try this again. Hold on, please. I played pickup basketball earlier today, and I'm in terrible shape, so my lungs are giving me fits. I need to do that more often. Okay, back to this question from Matt. I respect the heck out of your expert opinion, but golly, I hate your opinion on the 12-team playoff. Ha ha. (laughs) After getting that off my chest, I would love to hear your opinion on two ideas of mine. 12 out of 10 energy right there. I love it. 1st the referring to players and fans depending on their location slash former location to even more strongly encourage a larger footprint. Example, it is not surprising that JPJ is an incredible player because he's a member of the Utah flock. Dumb idea. Well, I guess I'm not really clear on the idea itself, but... I think that what you're getting at is that great players can come from all over the place. And it's why having, especially when you're in a state like Oregon, that's not going to give you a lot of high-end Division I talent year in and year out. And I've talked about this with Brian Smith on the show many times before, who we'll hear from more regularly now that we're you know essentially into the offseason once the bowl game takes place. You can find talent all over the place and you have to be able to find it from all over the place. And I think that two states that have really taken off, well, three states in the last three or four years that have taken off in terms of the number of blue chip prospects they're producing for college football every year are Utah where JPJ is from. And he was a snow Canyon guy. Let me double check that real quick. He went to corner Canyon. He was a corner Canyon guy high school I've become more familiar with as I've lived here in the state of Utah. Utah, Arizona, Washington. Those states continue to be areas that I think Oregon needs to have a recruiting presence in. And as they play there less frequently with conference realignment, because who knows when we're going to be in Utah again, we'll play Washington once a year, but we won't play Washington state. And Arizona and Arizona state Don't know when you're playing either of those schools again, which gosh almighty, that's just, it's sad and wrong. I think you can find good players and great players from all over the place. You know, we found a lot out of California. There have been great players from Washington. Speaking of Washington, by the way, Jason Brown, the running back chose Dillingham and Arizona state. Didn't see that one coming either. Again, I trust Carlos Lachlan and the staff. I like the running back room going forward. That's an interesting room going into the off season here, but yeah, I, I think the point I, I assume your question is trying to make is that you can. It, it's no. It does. It doesn't just have to be California, Texas, Florida. You want to have great players from there. You want to have a footprint there because you can find great players. But those aren't the only spots where you can find big time players nowadays. It's much more spread out because football just continues to grow. Matt had a second part of his question. I would never, not in a million years, leave out. <clears throat> leave out. See how my voice just went away. I am not sick. That is just my lungs recovering from... I played four games of pickup basketball. Spencer, get your butt in shape. Goodness gracious. You need to all get yourself in shape and go over to eBay Motors. Not that that's fitness-related. It's vehicle-related. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash never ever with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers go check out ebay motors today just a mess on this show because i'm not in good physical shape okay Here's the second question. Second, Kalen DeBoer of Washington to a soon-to-be-vacant head coaching position in L.A. with the Chargers. Yeah, okay, hold on. I'll read the whole question first. He could finish this season at Washington, which would save the Chargers' money as the current head coach, wouldn't need to be fired until the season is over. Wrong. Brandon Staley needed to be fired yesterday, actually about two months ago. Kalen has also proven he can build a team around a quarterback similar to Herbert. Also, I really do not like the idea of Bill Belichick being the Chargers' next head coach. Neither do I. I, respe- I respect his legacy, but he's kind of struggling uh, lately from what I can tell. He did win on Thursday Night Football tonight against the Steelers, but that doesn't matter. Uh, thanks for ho- hosting such a great podcast. Go Ducks, Matt. Lo- love the long-form question there. All about it. Let's make something inexplicably clear. I have it on good authority that there is a contract extension that is going to be presented to Kalen DeBoer and that it is highly likely he is going to sign it. He was certainly a name that popped up, much like Dan Lanning's, with the Texas A&M job. Those rumors, like Dan Lanning, didn't go anywhere. I don't think DeBoer has any interest in leaving Washington at this time. I, I know people who cover the team. I have seen what he has said about being at Washington and the results that they're undergoing right now. Yes, you can say it's curious that he didn't sign an extension or or a raise before the season. He's making like less than $5 million, which is just grossly underpaid for the results that he's put on the field. There's going to be a big extension. I expect him to sign it. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would love for him to be Justin Herbert's head coach. He'd be a heck of a lot better than Brandon Staley. That is not going to happen. That is not going to happen. Washington's going to do everything that they can to keep him because they know how good he is. Because guess what? As we know, he is very good. I love Dan Lanning. I think Lanning is outstanding and is only going to get better as a head coach. Kalen DeBoer is better right now. That can change, but DeBoer's beating him in Eugene, in Seattle, in Las Vegas. Doesn't matter. And yeah, I think that Lanning can absolutely get him back in the coming years. But right now, Kalen DeBoer is a better football coach than Dan Lanning. And I think that DeBoer is really, really good. His career record is crazy. It's like 102 and 11. If you go back to his time at Sioux Falls and Fresno State, that dude knows how to be a head coach and he just wins. I mean, he just wins football games no matter how they look. I do not like the Chargers with, with our old you know, hero, Justin Herbert, I was trying to find the right word, you know, old friend that didn't quite have the right connotation in my head, but I love Herbert. I root for him. It's why I want Staley to no longer be his head coach because Staley stinks. I mean, the evidence is just so clear at this point. Their, their defense has played well the last couple of weeks. Their personnel is incredible and their defense sucks. And he's calling the defensive play. I mean, he's just – he's not good. He's not good. I wouldn't want Bill Belichick there either because Belichick has nothing to do with the offense, and I know that he beat the Steelers tonight. whoop de doo The Steelers are not actually good. The Steelers are the Oklahoma State of the NFL. Their record looks a heck of a lot better than their team actually is, and they showed that uh, tonight. I, I mean, I didn't watch any of it, but they lost 21-18. to 18. How do you allow 21 points to the Pats at home? Because Bailey's happy. I, I mean – no, I wouldn't want Bill Belichick there. I would not get your hopes up about Kalen DeBoer leaving Washington. Obviously, that'd be a great thing for Oregon. That's not going to happen. Lanning's just got to up his game and find a way to beat him. It's a big priority. So anyway, great question. Uh, great questions there. Love the energy from it. Most mo- most of all. couple of things just to wrap up today's show. You can call them housekeeping sports items, but that's what we're doing here on a Friday. We're cleaning house and making sure you know everything you need to know going into the weekend. First of all, shout out to Oregon Volleyball because they're in the Elite Eight. I cannot say that I've watched a full match this year. I have seen glimpses here and there. I watched from afar. They get great crowds, by the way. You know why? Because they're really good. And volleyball is electric. That is an electric sport to watch. And being in the Elite Eight, I'm here for it. No, I, I can't pretend that I know players or that I could even give you the head coach's name off the top of my head. But I love seeing Oregon teams succeed. And I have, you know, from afar, distantly followed their their season. And I knew coming into the year they were going to be really good. Our volleyball coach at Southern Utah actually played played there. And so we have talked about that more than once. And I was asking her before the season, like, hey, I've heard Oregon's supposed to be good. Do you agree? And she was very excited. And this is why they're in the elite eight. Fantastic. Last thing for today, men's basketball plays Saturday against UTEP at home. Is that a huge monstrous Michigan level game? No, it is not. However, one thing that to this point, Dana Altman's team has avoided is the horrible, no good, very bad loss. UTEP is a team that Oregon, even without Nate Biddle and Infali Dante, should beat handily. I think UTEP is something like five and three out of conference USA. Like they're okay. They're not great. Oregon should win. Six and two sounds a lot better than five and three. And what this Oregon team needs to do right now is something they failed to do last year, and something they have failed to do the last couple of years, as they've come up just short though they've been on the bubble going into you know the last couple of weeks of the regular season, they've had too many games where you look back and go, that's just a bad loss that's holding them back. I think if Oregon can avoid that by the time they get healthy, this team can make the tournament. I fully believe that. I think their defense is missing a big man presence in the middle, like Biddle or Dante, just need one of them back, and it could help tremendously, though uh, Diawara, I think, is doing an admirable job. Of filling in KJ Evans, the five star freshman's playing well. But Jackson Shellstad is not going to get any worse. And I would take every opportunity you can to watch this kid play. I think he is going to be something special. And he's a true freshman right now. Might make a mistake or two. But boy, he looks ready for the moment. I'm excited to watch him. I'll be watching on Saturday, Army Navy, and Oregon UTEP. And that's a game at home. You cannot afford to lose. If you want to build an NCAA tournament at-large resume, this team is capable of that. They've improved their shooting dramatically from a season ago when they really, really struggled. So I look forward to watching them take on the minors. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, go Ducks.